0: What is up, Bills Mafia? Happy Monday night. Coming to you live here in a special Monday edition of the Shout Live Buffalo Bills football podcast. And I'm joined as always by my co-host, Ryan Talbot. And, you know, we were supposed to be getting into training camp this week, Ryan. So we've been breaking down, you know, everything going on, uh, heading into what's going to be a very different training camp. And, you know, as we've been plotting along, and and this is kind of a weird week where a lot of players are going to arrive tomorrow tomorrow but the festivities really aren't going to get started till maybe later in the week or early next week. Uh, we got provided with some, with a fun little topic here, Josh Allen, uh, number 87 on the NFL's top 100 list revealed yesterday uh, on NFL network. And, you know, a lot of Bill's mafia chimed in and, and, and NFL Twitter had, it, had its fun as well. And, you know, Turn on the TV today, Colin Cowherd with a, with a fun little segment uh, that we're going to talk about in a little while. But this is just a chance for us to get on here, talk a little bit about it. We've talked a lot about Josh Allen over the years, um, but this is a big year for him. And and all of a sudden, expectations are ratcheted up pretty high.
1: Oh, w- without a doubt. And, you know, th- this is a big honor, which you and I are going to talk about here in, in a minute. Um, but, but I think that the, the one thing that no matter what side you're on, I think everyone it is realistic that there's still a long ways to go for Josh Allen. That said, what we've seen from him so far is pretty promising
0: for sure. And Elliot, what's up my man over on YouTube. We're simulcasting. That's another thing that I have to add. We, we've, we finally figured out how to go on Facebook and YouTube at the same time. We're really excited uh, about that. Repping the Buffalo blue Jays here. Actually, my son is on the blue Jays this year in little league. So I'm the coach. So I got a hat. Um, Uh, My hair is a mess, so I had to put a hat on. So there there we are. Uh, So I'm going to do something here uh, and see if I can't play. um, Let's see here. The video from Colin Cowherd today. Let's see here. I mean, come on now.
2: (laughs) Big, strong, get it. Runs over people, big arm, I get it. Josh Allen's not a top 100 player in the NFL. Come on now. Now, again, players look at him. He's 6'6", he can run, and I think he has the strongest arm in the NFL. But great players do not unravel against the best teams or coaches. Josh Allen has played the Patriots three times. His completion percentage is 48%. His passer rating is 56%, and he has more picks than touchdowns. That's not what Mahomes or Russell Wilson... That's not what they look against. Look like against New England. Now, I'm not saying New England's not a hard out. I, you know, go ask Jared Goff. They're a tough out. I know he can run, great, but that's not a top 100 football player in the NFL.
0: If you haven't checked out Colin, go check it out because I think that you know it's a, it's an interesting conversation that that's to be had. I think first and foremost. You know, his main point when he was talking about why Josh isn't a top 100 player is that great players don't shrink in the big moments. And he obviously refer- referring to Houston, some of his performances against the New England Patriots, where obviously we all know that they cover the team and that are Bills fans, that he struggled a little bit to play well against the better teams, the better defenses. So with that said, let's start us off here, Ryan. What What is your initial reactions to Colin Cowherd's reaction to uh, Josh Allen in the top 100?
1: Well, if that's all he's going on and that's all he's based on, then I guess Lamar Jackson is not a top 100 player either because has he not struggled in his two playoff games in his career? They've been one and done both years. 48% completion rate one year, 52% completion rate this year same result both years and obviously this year that the expectations were that much higher I think there's so much more to it than just how you play against certain teams and yes he he has not defeated the New England Patriots to this point in his career the the Bills blew a 16 to nothing lead and and that was not all on Allen in fact I don't think a lot of it was on Allen I think he actually played a pretty good game uh against the Texans but that being said he, he has some room to grow. That is the one thing that I, we should all be agreeing upon. But He made great strides from year one to year two. And, and the biggest takeaway for me is this is what players think. Uh, is it a legitimate list? No, probably not. But at the same time, to see that kind of respect that he's getting around the league, that's promising. Not just because it's nice to see a, a player from the Bills on that list, but eventually you're going to have players that hit free agency. You're going to have these younger players that are watching these shows and they say, you know, I, I wouldn't mind playing with a guy like Josh Allen. Uh, so it, it does a lot of good for, for the brand as well. And for the team, the uh, the, the bills as a whole, I guess is the best way of saying it. So what, what were your thoughts on first of all, Allen making the top 100 and then on Colin's stance,
0: I was surprised to be honest with you, just because it's kind of mixed feelings across the league for everybody that you talk to that, you know, recognizes what Josh Allen's able to do on a football field. I feel like I've also had conversations with people and seen people. I mean, just in the AFC East, Jamal Adams gets traded to the Seattle Seahawks this past weekend. He was uh, maybe not so complimentary of Josh Allen when he came into the league, and you know, said uh, I'm I'm going to be excited to catch passes from my n- favorite new quarterback. Kind of alluding to the fact that Josh Allen throws a lot of interceptions, but. You know, I think that it was Ned Hunt. I want to give him a shout out on uh, Twitter because he's uh, he's a guy that engages a lot. I, I really enjoy uh, co- having conversations with him on there. He made a great point. If Josh Allen was somebody that um, shrunk in the big moments, how would he have had four fourth quarter comebacks last year? I would, I would make the argument that that is when he kind of turns it on even more, when he's maybe at his best, when he stops thinking so much and kind of just – tries to go out there and make plays. And what I think we saw last year in the Texans game or earlier this year in the Texans game was a young player, his first career playoff game on the road, everything was going well early. You know what I mean? There was a couple there were a couple plays in that game where if they're made or if, you know, they're not overturned in the case of the touchdown on the kickoff, you know, we're talking about a game that's probably out of reach by halftime. But, you know, I think that to win on the road in the NFL, in the playoffs, you have to do everything right as a team. Like you could have a great quarterback. You, you you could have a Patrick Mahomes that scores 50 points, but if your defense gives up 51, you're going to lose. And I think that he was thrust into a situation where everything was going really well for him early in that game. And then all of a sudden it was kind of like that, you know, everybody was kind of uh, on, on cruise control and the defense gave up a few big plays. Houston gets back in the game. Allen's asked to kind of make a lot of plays there in, in the second half. And I just think that he, in, with his inexperience that came into play there, he kind of um, averted back to hero ball. Like we've talked about, you know, quite a bit, but at the same time, I think that there was a level of pressure put on him in the sense that, you know, John Brown was a non-factor in that game. They really struggled to get the ball to Cole Beasley consistently in that game. And Duke Williams, who they gave a large role to in that game, he had a few key drops. And there was even one drop by Tyler Croft, I believe it was, on the sidelines there where I think it was the announcer that said, you know, obviously some accuracy issues. That's a ball that's got to be caught. I mean, you need your players to make plays for you. And, and, you know, I, I went back and I looked at some of the games from Patrick Mahomes last year. And, you know, the difference between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes is, Patrick Mahomes was at the level in 2019 to be able to, from an experience and skill perspective, overcome his teammates making mistakes, whether it be drops or turnovers. What we learned last year is Josh Allen's not there yet, and that's okay. But I think that also Patrick Mahomes was given the luxury of a year on the bench, learning behind a veteran, the, uh, you know, the caliber of Alex Smith. Josh Allen came into the league behind Nathan Peterman. In 2018, so Colin Cowherd's talking about the 2018 season and that one game against the Patriots and early on in year two. I think that you you can't judge those games the same way as you would a Patrick Mahomes who came in in year three on the heels of an MVP season in year two and really kill him for it. Um, but that's kind of where I'm sitting at on it.
1: Yeah, and I agree. And you know, Colin Cowherd, he, he's entertaining. Uh, but but the guy flip-flops all the time. I mean, it, it hasn't even been a year since he had Josh Allen on his list of quarterbacks that he believes in. And and it's just kind of like a what can you do or what have you done for me lately type thing with him? And it's if it's easy to bash, he bashes the guy. Uh you, you said it very well, especially when talking about that playoff game. It's a team effort. The Bills kind of went conservative after that 16 to nothing league, which in today's NFL, you should not be going conservative with a 16 to nothing league uh, lead. And when the offense was predictable, the defense was on the field more and more and that led to them giving up the big plays. And then all of a sudden, uh, the next thing we knew, the Texans were within a score. Then they had, you know, they, they took the lead, whatever the case may be, but the, the the bills have to look back on that and learn. And it was not just all Josh Allen when Josh Allen needed to, he made some plays late in overtime. He made some plays that really should have had the bills in position to kick that game winning field goal. So don't, sit there and say that he shrinks in the big moment, because if there was not that ticky-tack penalty against Cody Ford that really should not have been called, I'm pretty sure that those are just about in field goal range at that point on that run. Uh, So there's so much to it. But again, Allen gets bashed by all these people all the time when it's not just one person. It's not just one play. It's a collection of plays from an overall team.
0: Definitely. And you know, with all that being said, and and you know, I'm pretty pro Josh Allen. We've had this conversation as well. Like if you're looking at in terms of media members, especially local media members that, that cover him and the bills, I think I'm higher on him the most. I think that there's a lot more room for improvement, depending on who you talk to, and we're hoping to have a really a couple of really cool guests in the next couple of weeks. Um, so stay tuned for that. But I think that um, depending on who you talk to, Some people, I think, believe that who you are, you know, when you come into the league, you know, there can be improvements, but it's going to be who you are. So the hero ball, you know, the inconsistency, uh, those are kind of things that are going to plague Josh Allen throughout his career. There's people that believe that. I, on the other hand, think that players can develop, especially raw players. I think that, you know, you take a guy like Josh Rosen who comes in and has some struggles, right? He's somebody that where I probably wouldn't afford as many, Um, chances to just because he comes in after playing big-time college football. I mean, Josh Allen played at Wyoming. When he came in and saw zero blitz last year uh, and in his rookie season, he had never experienced anything like that. And I'm not saying that Josh Rosen did in college. I'm just saying that he played a much higher level of competition. The defensive ends that were coming off the edge were much more talented than the ones Josh Allen was going up against. So I think that what I think that's happening here is – it's a, it's an evolution. It's a maturation. It's a development, and that's something that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, you know, the uh, a piece came out on the Athletic today. I, I love this piece. Uh, Mike Sando, who I respect a ton, he he rank. He talks to a bunch of g- general managers and front office people around the league, and they rank. They put the quarterbacks in tiers, and Josh is in tier three with a lot of other quarterback young quarterbacks. Um, Kyler Murray, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, uh, a bunch of guys. He's ranked, I think, twenty two in the NFL. I'd probably put him a little bit higher than that. But I think it's also okay to say that there's work to be done. You know what I mean? There's there's areas of his game. My biggest knock on Josh Allen is I feel like there's chunks of time where I don't know if it's a mental thing where he just um, you know, there's so much going on, he's not able to really register what's happening, but Aaron throws like, um, plays where you're just like, that's not the same guy that just threw that 12 yard out to Duke Williams on an absolute dime. There's just too much inconsistency at times. And I think that's the next step in the progression. Once you get to a point where you can lock in for 60 minutes or close to 60 minutes, then you're talking about those kinds of guys that are consistent, even, you know, from Dak Prescott, all the way up to Russell Wilson and Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. There's just more consistency.
1: Oh, without a doubt. And like you said, when a quarterback comes into the league, that does not mean that's who they're going to be. Ben Roethlisberger made strides. Drew Brees made some significant strides in his first few seasons from where he was. Um, Ryan Tannehill, we just saw last year what he did when he was able to get away from Adam Gase, and and he was with the, tech, uh, the Titans, I should say. Excuse me. So Josh Allen still has room to grow. We've said this many times, but he's made improvements. He made improvements in that intermediate game. Yes, there's sometimes, like you said, he's almost too amped up in the beginning of the game, and he'll throw a ball, he'll he'll sail one, or it should what should be a gimme pass gets thrown into the ground for whatever reason. Uh, but but then he settles in late in games, like you said, that's when he plays his best ball. So hopefully, with the addition of Stefan Diggs, having John Brown year two, Cole Beasley year two, all of that kind of coincides and helps him take another step here in, in year three. And the biggest thing, obviously, that a lot of fans are looking for is that deep ball. But if he gets that going, then all of a sudden it's easier for the run game to, to uh, materialize. And then all of a sudden the offense will be running on all cylinders. And that's something that we have not seen during this tenure uh, with, with Josh Allen. And that's not, again, his fault. It, it, Brian Dable has a hand in that. The offense as a whole has a, has a hand in that. So this is the year, though, where I think we do get a lot of answers, whether or not Josh Allen is a, top 100 player, whatever you want to talk about going forward a year in, year out. Because as you and I have both said, excuses are out the window. So this is the big year, the the prove-it year, so to speak, for Allen.
0: Deshaun Watson had a, a tremendous year three. I mean, the guy is just so talented. Every time you watch him play the game, you leave convinced that you just watched an elite quarterback play the game. But if you look at his year two numbers, right? he was ahead of Josh Allen in, in basically everything. I think just rushing touchdowns would, would probably be in rushing yards total might be where Josh was, but he's not that much better. You know, the, the one area that everybody talks about is the completion percentage, and depending on who you talk to, that varies in importance to certain people. You know what I mean? And so Deshaun Watson completing over 65% of his passes, he's very pinpoint, he's very... He's just an elite level passer, but one thing that Colin said that kind of jumped out at me about Allen, and I think this is a misnomer for people that don't watch him every week is that he called them, he's a great runner. And I think what we saw this year in 2019, last season was more than just a great runner and, you know, 20 touchdown passes to just nine interceptions, there was real market improvement as a passer, especially in that intermediate game, even go back to the, to the playoff game where, you know, there was a lot of, you know, drops. There was, there was some bad throws. I mean, a couple near interceptions. I, I go over and over again. I, I think Bradley Roby is so underrated. He almost picked off Josh Allen twice in that game, but he also made some just pinpoint great throws under pressure. Uh, I mean, one of the greatest throws in the NFL last season. It, uh, and then maybe, you know, I, I I watched the Bills for a living, so I guess it might be you know a little bit more skewed, but I thought that throw to John Brown was one of the you know was a was one of those highlight real throws for Josh Allen. You go back to his rookie year, the throw to Robert Foster, that's all in this guy. And I think that not enough people are seeing that and and maybe um, allowing for that kind of growth in, in his game. And and I just think that that's uh, selling him a little bit short. But as we mentioned, a lot of work to do, and I think that no excuses this year. And and so if there's if there's stretches of time or games where he struggles, we're going to be live on these platforms talking about these games, and, and and the tone of how I talk about Josh Allen is going to change in year three, because some of the uh, things that I allowed for in my evaluation in year one and year two, I'm not going to so much in year three because of Stefan Diggs, because of year two for Dawson Knox, Devin Singletary, the addition of Zach Moss. So there's expectations, but I think that we've hmm. seen enough, like you said, to anticipate you know a good season and, and, and where I think it's at least valid to have him be in the conversation for a top 100 player.
1: No, without a doubt. And going just to that playoff game, the, the throw that he made to Devin Singletary to convert the third down, now Singletary laid out for him, made a great catch. The throw to Duke Williams that should have been caught in the end zone. The throw along the sidelines that John Brown didn't get his second foot in, the you know, it, it's a was a routine toe tap. Money The ball was on the money. would have put the Bills on the two-yard line, give or take maybe a yard there. Uh, He made some impressive throws just in that game alone. And then you go back through and there's, you know, you, yeah, anyone can fire up the Josh Allen highlight reel, but there were there were just regular throws that he made on a game-to-game basis that aren't in those highlights that he made, and they were exciting plays where he he eluded pressure, he stiff-armed a guy, or or he turned a guy around, and then he was able to throw it on the run. Uh, so uh, th- there's a lot of promise there, and you're right. Our opinions could change by midseason, by the end of the year, because if he's not living up to what we think he should be doing in year three, then yeah it's going to be a step back for Allen and it's going to be a big step back for the bills in terms of maybe trying to win the AFCs the first time since 1995 and bigger picture, knowing whether or not they have the guy at the quarterback position going forward.
0: Let's talk a little bit about Josh Allen here, three expectations. And I think this is something we're going to, we're going to cover pretty heavily over the next two weeks. I got a couple guests lined up uh, bills reporters that I'm super excited to have back on the show. Um, we're in the process of lining that all up. So I can't give it away just quite yet, but I think that Josh Allen year three, you know, I'm probably placing my expectations somewhere around minimum 3,600 yards and 25 passing touchdowns just because I would be willing to, um, level those down a little bit, but I just think the addition of Stefan Diggs, and I have an audience now. So if you hear little sounds in the background, uh, it's the fam. Um, I just think the addition of Stefan Diggs and the, like we talked about, just the maturation, it goes so – not even for the young players. I'm talking about the veterans. Mitch Morse's second year in this offense. What is that going to mean for Mitch Morse in front of set, uh, uh, in front of Josh Allen, the relationship between the two, of him, the two of them, Josh and Mitch, the relationship between Mitch and John Feliciano if he's the right guard and Quentin Spain, the left guard, Deion Dawkins in a contract year just – there's so much potential with this offense. And you know, I think part of it too, is you know you, you got to take the training wheels off. I think at times, whether it was Brian Dable or Sean McDermott, and I, and I will still say that I think Sean Mer- McDermott has much more sway on the identity of this offense than, than a lot of fans give credit for. I know a lot of people love the blame Brian Dable game for play calling and this and that. And at times, perfectly valid, but I think that they have to take the training wheels off. They have to realize they have a number one receiver, a very good upper echelon, young running back and an offensive line that should be improved. And I think that you got to sit there and say, go out there, make plays, score points. We've been saying it for two years. Now go do it.
1: Yeah. Without a doubt. The whole offense training wheels need to come off, get aggressive, stay aggressive. Don't build these t- double-digit leads, these small double-digit leads, and then just think that the game is in hand. That's not how the NFL works. It's it's too many teams have too much firepower and can get into it. And, and you know, you, you can tell that you and I have been working together for so long because my expectations were pretty similar. I said 25 uh, passing touchdowns, and I had 3,500 yards passing. So, I mean, pretty close with, within the, both areas there. A- and I could even see the passing touchdowns go up by a few because, he did run a little bit less last year. And I feel like some of the runs last year were, were more out of necessity where things broke down. Uh, not all of them were designed. And when you have a guy like Stefan Diggs, you're not going to call as many design runs. There's going to be times and situations where you see something from an opposing defense and yeah, absolutely, exploit it. But this is also your franchise QB. You have Matt Barkley waiting in the wings. You don't want to put him out there and get him, put him at risk of getting hurt. So uh, I think you will see the the passing yards, the passing touchdowns go up a little bit. And and he may even go over that 25 uh, passing TD expectation that I have just because maybe they are going to kind of reel him in a little bit as runner.
0: For sure. Let's talk about two more things before we get out of here. And then we're going to get, I see a lot of comments. Please come back Wednesday night. That's our official live show. This is kind of like a short snippet. We'll be back on Wednesday night to talk all things training camp and this season. But a couple new quick points. The Bills released wide receiver Ray McLeod today, uh, Ray Ray McLeod today, and offensive lineman Garrett McGinn. Uh, not surprising, if you aren't aware, the Bills have to get down uh, to 80 players if they want to start practicing together as a team. Because here's the deal the requirement by the the, the agreement that the NFL and the NFLPA reached, the NFL teams got to be down to eighty by the time padded practices start on August seventeenth. Uh, you can start that process now, or you can wait until August seventeenth. But the problem will be if you choose to wait, you'd have to separate the rookies and um, injured players and some quarterbacks, first-year players, etc., from the rest of the teams. So you'd have like two kind of like two kind of bowling balls happening, and and I don't think that that's really an ideal situation for you know a coach and a coaching staff and a front office that's trying to get a handle on a on their franchise, their organization. With this, no preseason games, no nothing. So it looks like the Bills are starting to whittle things down here as they try to get to 81. Because remember, the exemption for Christian Wade.
1: Yeah, and the two players that they released today, you know, McGinn was coming off of a serious injury from last season. They had already seen a little bit of him when they had him here. um, So they knew about him. They've obviously know Ray Ray very well, former draft pick. Um, you know, left last year after he was caught, went to Carolina for a short, stint struggled there on the main roster, came back and the bill sent him again. But when you're kind of getting this your rosters down to 80 players, and I agree that they're gonna try to do the same thing uh rather than run those split practices is just not ideal when you have guys like Zach Moss that you want to have involved with your your main offense because he's going to most likely be the number two running back this year. Um it's just kind of important, maybe, to keep some of these younger, inexperienced players for the short-term future to see what they can do in these limited practices. Then a guy like Ray Ray McLeod who flashed at times, he was the talk of OTAs a little bit last year. He had some moments in, in training camp, but he never put it together. So when you're looking at all those young wide receivers that they have, you know, even going to the bottom of the roster, I would have rather cap a Nick Easley right now than a Ray, Ray McLeod, because, you know, easily flashed some separation skills last year at camp. He could be that ideal practice squad guy in case something happens as Cole Beasley. You already knew what you had in Ray, Ray McLeod. You already kind of knew what you had in in Garrett McGinn. So keep some of these younger undrafted free agents on board for now and then see what they can do in the short term, because those those are the guys that one, one or two of them might be able to claim a bottom of the roster, main roster spot. But those are the guys that you're going to fill up on this practice squad, which this year it looks like is going to be 16 players. So you really want to get a good evaluation in on uh, some of these players that you really don't know very well yet.
0: Mr. Ryan Talbot that called this five days ago, folks, Syracuse.com, New York, upstate.com. Make sure you're, you're over there. We're dropping content every day articles. He wrote about uh 10, uh, eight players that he thought could be in danger of getting cut and Ray, Ray McLeod, obviously one of th- those names. Another story that, you know uh made some headlines today uh in another sport is major league baseball and the Miami Marlins obviously uh, a coronavirus uh outbreak within the team i think it's up to 11 players now that have contracted the virus and you know it's interesting because we're 7 weeks i think it is away from the start of the season the bills in week 2 travel to Miami And, you know, I know that the the Marlins were in Philly the last couple days, but you really wonder about, you know, teams going into these hotbed cities wherever they are. And, you know, right now Miami is at the epicenter still of of the virus. They're still reporting over 3,000 new cases a day. You're sending an entire team of of 33 players, just 33 players. That's how many players the baseball is uh, allowing for travel. Um, And already you're seeing in the fourth day uh, of of the season uh, an outbreak. And it just makes me wonder like with football and we put up a story on the site, go check it out. I, two stories, a couple of weeks ago, I talked to uh, Dr. Uh, Selleck, who is an epidemiologist at UB, just to talk about the challenges that the NFL and teams face, and I, I put up another story today because you know it's what we're we've been talking about and what's going to happen when you know the Bills have to go down to Miami or the Bills play a team from one of these hotbed cities and there's an there ends up being an outbreak if that's the case and football is such a more um, intimate sport i mean these guys are going to be huffing and puffing and spitting and hollering and 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 exchanging sweat and fluids i mean this is going to be you know if if somebody plays an nfl football game with coronavirus i mean we're talking about a massive massive outbreak and then you're talking about what does that mean for a team if if 15 to 30 people get it
1: yeah it's scary and again uh, I know that MLB and NFL are not the type of sports where you can have a bubble necessarily, but you almost have to think that the NFL is watching this closely, that they might have to scramble and, and come up with some kind of plan and tell the players, if you play this year, you're going to kind of be in our own little bubbles here where you can't go home and spend time with your family and friends. And I know that that would lead to a lot more opt-outs. But I don't know what the correct answer is here because even if even if we're not even talking about the hotbed cities, we don't know who these players are interacting with during the week, and they don't know who has COVID-19. And then if you give it to one player, that player goes in the locker room, they give it to a handful more, and you're right. Then we're in that boat where what's this team going to do? Are they going to play that game on Sunday with 10 different replacement players in there? Now, mind you, some of them might be NFL veterans with a lot of experience, but there's still a significant drop-off where you're you're missing 10 players or five players, whatever the case may be, if, if there's some kind of outbreak in the NFL like there is here shortly into the season in MLB. So it, it's definitely worrisome. It's definitely going to be something that the NFL needs to start talking about. And it's going to be interesting to see how MLB, what they do, I guess, and how, how this ends up uh, turning out for the, for Miami and obviously every other team that, potentially could be at risk because of what we've already seen so early in the season.
0: That's going to do it for us here, folks Uh, just short and sweet, uh, quick and out of here. I think we got just under 30 minutes, but we'll see. Uh, And that's what we want to do. Maybe some of these shorter shows, so these one-off shows, I still want to go live. If you guys like it and enjoy, you know, this, this um, format Uh, we like doing it. And it gives us, I got a chance to look at all, uh, all your comments and, you know, some of the stuff that you, you brought up in the comments Tune back in Wednesday night because we're going to have a special guest. I'm really excited about it. We're still locking that down. Uh, And then we'll have another one next week. And it's just going to be two weeks of training camp discussion. You know, what this team's going to be uh, all about heading into camp. Talk about some 53-man projections. Uh, It's going to be super fun. I didn't even put out my final pre-camp 53-man yet because I think I'm going to do it sometime this weekend. Um, because the early days of camp are going to be a lot of testing, and uh, I don't think anything's going to be open to the media until at the earliest later this week. So uh, we'll check back in Wednesday night, 7.30. If you haven't yet, subscribe to Shout, a football podcast on your Buffalo Bills. Search it on every platform, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, rate, review. We really appreciate it. He is Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. We'll be back Wednesday night. You're going to get a lot of shout. You're going to get a lot of Syracuse.com and New York Upstate this week. Have a good one.